Blog Talk Radio. All right, all right. This is G.L. the Bazaar coming to you from Warren, Ohio. This is, this is Watchman on the Wall. This is the end time, the end time global link ministry coming to you from Warren, Ohio, going on down there in Atlanta, Georgia. Then I'm going to crisscross over there to Lubbock, Texas, to my brother, Elder Jackson, amen. We're so glad to be with you this afternoon, giving greetings in the name and no other name but the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one that is, the one that was, and the one that is to come, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the God of gods, and the Lord of lords is coming back. He's coming back to where? To the earth. He has been here many a times in Old Testament he visited. In the New Testament, when he became man, God himself became man, died on Calvary's cross. Yes, he did. Went back to heaven. Amen. Been gone for 2,000 years. Jesus Christ has been gone from the planet Earth. And as you notice, at the condition of our society today, and the world and everything that dwells in it, we're in a critical, critical shape. Bad. It's bad. The devil is trying to defeat God Almighty. That's foolish. The devil, Lucifer, the one that was in heaven, the one that was in the place of second command, being a protector of God's throne and being the music director of all the angelic angels in heaven. He was the head musician. He knew all about music. He knew what God required for him to do. He required for him to be the director of the angelic choir, the protector of God's throne, and the ruler of the old and divinal world, which was before the flood, Lucifer was given the earth. And by his rebellion and his try to take over to God's throne and take over God's place, he was dethroned from heaven. He was eradicated from having any control over earth and mankind. And God in Genesis 1 and 2, recreated the heavens and earth, and he put man on the earth, and Lucifer lost his position. Lucifer lost his position eternally. Eternally, he lost it because, number one, he wanted to be like God. He wanted to overthrow God. He wanted to sit on the throne of God. He wanted to rule the angels. He wanted to rule God. He wanted to rule all the angelic beings. And God dethroned him forever. And by that, God had to create a place for him to go. And after he does his dirty work for 6,000 years. 
6,000 years, Satan took over in the Garden of Eden. He took over. He took over Adam and Eve. He caused Adam and Eve to sin. When they sinned, Adam and Eve were disconnected with the Almighty. You hear what I said? Satan caused the disconnection of the Almighty between Adam and Eve. Satan went to Eve and deceived her and tricked her and conned her and maneuvered her to get to sin and do the sin that God forbid her to do. And when Eve found out she had deceived herself and deceived by Satan saying that God said, You'll die, and Satan said, you're not going to die. Lucifer told Eve, God is lying. God is telling a story. God is trying to con you. You will not die, for God knows the day you eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened, and you shall become what? As God, you will know good from evil. You will have power to make your choice. And Adam and Eve was in the garden. I don't know how many years or how many months, but I don't believe they deceived them right away. I think it was a period of time that Satan really, really got to Eve and got her to eat the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And Eve got Adam to disobey God. And the reason why we have failed and come into debauchery and come into sin is because of Adam going along with Eve and eating the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. When Adam, when Adam, listen to me now, when Adam ate that fruit of knowledge of good and evil, he broke the ties between him and his creator. He broke the relationship between God and mankind from the Garden of Eden until this present day. And there was no way Adam could reconnect with God. There was no way he could reconnect with God. And God knew there was no other way for him to reconnect Adam and Eve and humanity back to him and have a reconciliation and a propitiation and justification and sanctification and redemption to bring man back in the right relationship with God Almighty. God had the answer. God, this is what I'm saying, God had the answer. He had the answer before Adam and Eve fell. He had the answer before he made the heaven and earth, and God knew that if he would make man and give him a choice, he knew that Satan, if he would get Lucifer, uh, a priority over the music world, over protecting his God's throne, and giving man, uh, 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 Lucifer, the, the first and in the world, he knew that Lucifer was going to fall. He knew it. Now, since he knew it, he could not stop himself from letting this happen. He had to let man make his choice. You understand what I'm saying? He had to give man an opportunity to make his choice. And he gave Adam and Eve to make their choice. He said, as long as you don't touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil, 
You will be happy for now. You will multiply and have babies. We will live together. God said, I'll live together with you forever in the state of innocence. But man had a choice. Don't get, get this now. Man had a choice. And when Adam and Eve took that choice, not by chance, not by not knowing what they were doing, not by saying God was trying to hide anything from them, but when Adam and Eve broke that choice, man became lost. Man became a sinner. Man became corrupt. Man became an unbeliever. Man became rotten to the core because whenever you disobey God, you're going to end up as a rottenness of, 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 of your own self because without God, you are rotten. Without God, you are lost. Without redemption, you are a sinner. And by that, God cannot use you because you are cut off from him. And if you're cut off from him, there is no way God can use you until you can be reconciled back to God. And since God is God all by himself, there is no other deity, there is no other God, there is no other way that man can be connected back to God, only one way, and God has a way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This God is the only God of all gods that's able to bring man back to God. There was no other God. I don't care what you say. I don't care where you got your God from. I don't care if you can take up any kind of old name and call it a God that created the heaven and earth, call it a God of love, call it a God of mercy, call it a God of joy. There is no other God like the God that had no beginning and no end. All other gods had a beginning, and that was beginning when Lucifer failed, when Lucifer failed, when Lucifer failed, trying to become God, he became God in his own way, and he had other angels that followed him that called themselves gods. And since they called themselves gods, they don't made up all kind of gods in the world today to consider that this is the true God, and there is no other God beside the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Yahweh, the God of gods and the Lord of lords, but the creator. And so now we got all kinds of different gods in the universe that call themselves God of heaven. And there's no God other than God that can rule the world like God of Abraham, like the God of gods, like the God that had no beginning and no end. I'm talking about the God that's a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is Elder Bazaar trying to explain to you about who God is and what has happened to humanity. Humanity today is rotten. Why? Because they're separated from God. They have no God. Anybody that live rotten and cheapskate and every low-down, dirty thing do not know the holiness of God. Anybody that lie, cheat, backbite, whoremonger, homosexuality, the unbelievers, 
don't believe in no God, they are totally rotten. And the only way that can remove that rottenness of sin is what? The blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Only way that you can be saved is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the reason why Jesus Christ is the only way is because God Almighty is Jesus Christ in the flesh, and God became man. God became man. When he became man, he was born of a virgin Mary, and by his birth, he brought a blood system into existence why? Because he was God. In order for God to live in a physical body and have the feeling of a man and know what it is to be a man, he, he became man, but he had to have a blood system, and that blood system was brought here by Jesus Christ because God was manifested in the flesh, seen of angels, justified by the Spirit, received up into glory. And when he came, he was born of a virgin, wrapped up in swollen clothes. He stayed on this earth for 33 and one-half years. He did miracles. He walked on the water. He fed 5,000. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He did miracles on top of miracles. Why? Because he was God Almighty, and there's nothing impossible with God <clears throat> through Jesus Christ. But the main reason, the main reason that Jesus Christ came to this earth is because he needed a redeemer, and he brought himself down here, and he didn't guess at it. He knew that he could redeem man back to God if he would be born of a virgin Mary and that he would have a blood system like a man, walk like a man, look like a man, talk like a man, and that that caused him to be a human, yet and still he was God all by himself, self-existent one, and he knew that there, there was a sacrifice had to be made because the sacrifices of animals and turtle doves and bullocks and, and red heifers was only a temporary time in which God would be able to cover sin by the blood of animals, but covering was not good enough because sin had to be taken out of man, and the only blood that can take sin out of man is the blood of Jesus Christ, because when you accept Jesus Christ by faith, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you and washes you and separates you from sin through the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit comes in you, it eliminates all sin. All sin. You are saved by faith through grace, not we ourselves, not by works. For no man can work his way into salvation. No man can work to sanctify himself. No man can work to justify himself. No man can do anything to justify himself and make himself holy. He can't do it. He can't do it. I don't care from here to the ions, to the eons, and beyond eternity. There is no man ever been born on this earth that could take away sin but, but Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is absolutely God Almighty in the flesh. Y'all better listen to me. Jesus Christ is God Almighty in the flesh. And he came down here as a man. I don't know how tall he was. I don't know how how uh, 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 how, uh, how tall he was, how much he weighed. But I know one thing. I know who he was. 
this Christ that I'm talking about, this Jesus that I'm talking about, is God, capital G-O-D, all by himself. He is God the Father. He is God the Son. He is God the Holy Ghost. All three are one person. All three have different offices. God the Father is the Spirit. God the Son became flesh and dwelt among us. God the Son, God in the, the resurrection, he ascended into heaven, but he didn't have no blood system. There was no more blood system. The blood has already been shed after the resurrection. So Jesus Christ is not coming back down here again to die for humanity. No way. No way. He died once and for all. And if you miss this salvation, if you miss this salvation, if you miss the salvation that's found in Jesus Christ by his shed blood, by his resurrection, guess what? If you die in your sin, because that's why he came, he come to die for your sin, your low-down, dirty, rotten self. You're rotten. People don't want to admit it, but you're rotten. You know how rotten you are? You're so rotten. And you're so low-down. And you're so tricky, you're so conniving, you're so selfish that you are going to have to pay for your own sins because you will not admit that you're rotten and that you need a Savior and that you need to be saved and that you need to repent of your sins and turn 180 degrees and hate sin, hate the devil, hate his works, hate what he thinks, hate what he does, hate what he stands for because he don't stand for no good at all. And if you don't repent of your sins, you got to do what? You got to pay for your own sins. No man can pay for your sins. Your mama, your daddy, your sister, your church going, your, your, your Bible reading, your praying cannot save you from sin. The only thing that can save you from sin is that you repent of your sins and call on the name of Jesus Christ, that through the burial, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and his resurrection is the cause that you can be saved if you confess that he died for you. He died for you. He suffered for you. He was whipped for you. He was sped upon for you. He was kicked on. He was beaten beyond, listen, he was beaten beyond his recognition. You wouldn't even recognize Jesus if he would walk down the street and look at you at the condition that he was when he was on the cross. On the cross, You would not recognize him because he was beat beyond his identity. He was beaten till his face was disfigured. He was beaten till his body was cut open like like hamburger. He was crucified. Don't you get it? The cause of his crucifixion was our sins. Our sins crucified Christ. Our low-down, dirty, rotten attitudes and the way that we disbelieved that his sacrifice was not enough to redeem us, and you spit at it, and you reject it, you are going to have to pay for your own sins. And I'll tell you right now, there's no way on this side of the planet, 
and there's nowhere on the other side of the planet, there's nowhere on, on the other side of eternity because there's no other side of eternity because eternity is forever. There is no way I'm going to let my soul die without Jesus Christ in my life. I'm not going to do it, and I know I ain't going to do it because he has saved me to the utmost. He has saved me from sin. He has washed me in his blood. He has redeemed me through his sacrifice of death on Jesus Christ. So there's no way my soul will die because I will not die. What? The only death that I will suffer is the physical death. But once I receive Christ, I once was dead, but now I'm found. And now, since I'm found, I'm going to live forever with Jesus Christ. Why? Because my sins have been washed clean. I am born again. I am sanctified forever. I have been redeemed, sealed with the Spirit until the day of redemption. And I'm not going to turn back. I can't turn back because, number one, salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. He said, once you are saved, you are saved forever. You're saved by his blood. You're saved because nothing can unsave, nothing can deter the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all powerful. Jesus Christ's blood, one drop, is so powerful, it could save the world in a split sucker. Jesus Christ's blood is so powerful, it can heal the sick in the split sucker. Jesus Christ so powerful that he can speak the word through his son, Jesus Christ. And guess what? You can be saved today if you will confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead. And guess what? Many souls are being saved today. And more souls are being saved outside of the church than there is in the church. A lot of people have been in the church for years, for decades, and never have received Christ. You hear what I said? People are in church, going to church, serving in the church, singing in the choir, and never have received Christ. They have never received Christ. They don't know nothing about the love of God. And the Bible said, if a man says he loved God, and hate his brother. He is a two-faced, bone-faced liar. How can you love? How can you love God whom you've never seen? And here's your brother right here, and you hate him. Because in the true church, there's no hate at all. Uh oh. You hear what I said? I said in the true church, there's no hate at all. And I know there is. Tears in the body of Christ. There are there's tears in the body of Christ. There's some people in church who said they have accepted Christ, but they hate. You know what that is? That's a hypocrite. A hypocrite is trying to pretend to be a Christian, trying to be a child of God without redemption. You are not a child of God unless you have been redeemed. You're not a child of God because you go to a high, sophisticated church that says a name on the front door. That's not salvation. Salvation can only come by the blood, and the blood is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the only one that died. He's the only one that got up on his own power. He's the only one that said, I once was dead, but now I'm alive and I'm going to live forever. He's the only one that's coming back after a spotless church. He's the only one that can save those 
that's out there in the world that they may come in and enjoy the fellowship with Jesus Christ. So what am I saying? I am saying, look here, we are definitely, absolutely living in the last days. When the Bible says that in the last days, many shall come in my name. And they will say, Lord, we have cast out devils. We have been in the choir. I've been behind the pulpit. I preached the word. I gave to poor. I did all the good works that a Christian uh, uh, is usually do if you're a child of God. And then, you know, at the end of the tribulation period, at the judgment of the nations, you know what Jesus Christ is going to say to the two, two kind of persons that's going to be at the judgment of the nation. The sheep going to be there and the goats going to be there. And he's going to say to the goats, the lost ones, the hypocrites, the sinners, he's going to say, I seen what you've done, but I seen you feed the poor. I seen you do all these things considering to righteousness. But he's gonna say, I don't know you. I don't know you. You see, a lot of people saying they know Jesus Christ don't know Jesus Christ. Because when Christ comes into your life, there is absolutely definitely a change in your Soul, your soul is changed. Your spirit is changed. Your mind is changed. Your attitude is changed. Your talking is changed. Your walk is changed. Everything's changed. And as you grow in Christ, you become more stronger and more mature as you grow in Christ when you become to know Christ. You're not a grown-up when you're born, it took you. It takes years for you to be a grown-up. It takes years for you to grow in Christ. And as you grow in Christ, you're supposed to get stronger if you ever been born again. Some people have been born again, and they never have changed. And that's a sign that you need to Jesus Christ in your life. That's a sign that you've been playing a hypocrite for a long time. Half-heartedly, don't want to go to church. Oh, you do all these little worldly things. You partake in all kinds of little worldly games. You do cussing. You do lying. You do whoremongering. You you go and change your sex orientation. You go and become a homosexual. You become a lesbian. You become a sodomite. You become incest. And you say you've been changed. No, you've been changed from bad to worse. And when you become changed, there's a new change. There's a new walk. You become a brand new creature. In who? In Christ. You don't come to a you don't come to a brand new creature in Buddhism, Shintoism, Mormonism, uh, Islam, a uh, Baptist, a uh, Presbyterian. You don't become a new creature in that. You still an old creature if you just going under the name of a denomination or an occult. The only change that you can see that's genuine is a change through Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is holy. Jesus Christ is righteous. Jesus Christ is sinless, and the Holy Spirit is sinless. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life through the blood, by the blood, and for the blood, guess what? You have a change like never before. And you will never, never, never be the same forevermore. You're a new creature in Jesus Christ. And since we're living in the last days, since we're living in a time just before the second coming of Jesus Christ, just before Jesus Christ comes back, the world 
is gone into a chaotic condition. The world is gone into a critical condition. The world is becoming worse and worse and worse every day. Why? Because people have forsaken the God of heaven, have forsaken the Holy Scriptures, have forsaken the birth, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, have forsaken everything that God has laid down from the foundations of the world for how a man should live for Jesus Christ. The only way you can live for Jesus Christ, you've got to accept Jesus Christ yourself. And so the world now, living in the last days, living in maybe months or before months or year or years before Christ comes back. And when he comes back, he's not coming back to, to die no more. He done died once. Ain't no more dying. Ain't no more coming back being born in the manger. Ain't no more nail prints. Ain't no more going to the grave and coming up. He come up once. He died once. And now he's coming back to what? Judge the world. Judgment is coming. The first judgment that we had, Jesus Christ took it. He took it upon the cross. He took my judgment. He took it. And when he took it, he gave me eternal life. So I have already been judged by who? Jesus Christ and his shed blood. I've been judged by Jesus Christ and his shed blood. His blood made restitution and made reconciliation. So I no longer is under the judgment or the wrath of the almighty God. The next judgment I will go to is the judgment at the judgment seat of Bema. The judgment seat of Bema is I'm going to be judged for the works that I have done on this planet. The works that I have done on this planet through who? Through Jesus Christ. Everything I do, I do it through Jesus Christ. If I do it on my own, I do it through Jesus Christ. But one thing I will never do through Jesus Christ, and that's sin against my heavenly Father willfully. Not saying that I've never sinned. I have sinned. And the Bible says if a saint sins, he confesses sin, and Jesus Christ is faithful enough to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And his unrighteousness, whoo! It belongs to you, but Christ wants to take what? He wants to take all your unrighteousness and cleanse it and take it out of your spirit, man, and take it out of your soul. But there's another sin you got to deal with. You got to deal with that old nature that you will have till you die. You will have to deal with the old nature. Until you die, you will no longer, you will no longer be able to sin willfully against God and get away with it. Because I'll tell you what God will do to a born-again believer who go out here and do what they think they're doing. He will chastise them because you are born of God. If you don't suffer chastisement after you've been born again, knowing what you're doing is wrong, and you do it willfully, 
guess what? God will chastise you because whom the Lord loveth, he will chasten it. If you do not suffer chastisement after you get saved, you are considered literally a spiritual bastard. And a bastard does not have a father or don't know his father. And if you call yourself saved and doing all this dirty sinful stuff and call yourself saved and don't suffer chastisement from God, you are a spiritual bastard. And a bastard don't know the father. But those that know Jesus Christ know who their father is. And when you disobey your father, God will chastise you. I know what I'm talking about. If you don't believe me, ask David. If you don't believe me, ask Samson. If you don't believe me, ask Naomi. If you don't believe me, ask Jonah. If you don't believe me, ask the prophets. If you don't believe me, ask people who are saved, knowing they're getting a chastisement from the Lord. Why? Because they know that they ain't doing right, and God will punish them as far as chastising them. But once you save, your salvation is secured in Jesus Christ. And there's no excuses for you doing things that you know the Holy Spirit told you not to do and wean you not to do and, and suffer and grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is gentle. The Holy Spirit is not rabid. The Holy Spirit don't beat you and throw, down, throw, throw you down the steps. The Holy what. Woo! The Holy Spirit is gentle, and it woos you that you're not right in God's eyesight. But since we're living in the last days, since we're living in the close of the long-awaited church age, we have been in the church age for the last 2,000 years. The church has been on this planet 2,000 years. The church has been on this planet through two millenniums. Two millenniums the church has been on this planet. And since we're living in the last days, we're living in the last church age, and the last church age is in the book of Revelation. And Revelation gives you the identify this condition that this church is going to be in. It's called the Church of Laocidia. The hypocritical, backbiting, half-hearted, so-called Christians that got Jesus on the outside of the church, and Jesus is knocking on this church, and the church of your heart, not the literal building, but the church of your heart, Jesus Christ is knocking on souls today that's in the church saying, let me come in, and the church said, we don't need you right. We got too many programs. We got too many uh, money-raising funds. We're having fun. We're having banquets. We're going on trips. We're going to Las Vegas. We're going all over the world, and we are having a good time calling this church. But it's not church. It's organized religion. Because the duty of the church on this planet was given in the book of Acts, the second chapter. The second chapter of Acts give you the duty and the responsibility of the church in the book of Acts. Jesus said, 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and be a witness. Be a witness for me unto the uttermost parts of the earth until I come back. In other words, I want you to preach the gospel, live the gospel, talk the gospel, do the gospel, and let the world know that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And the light of the world is to be shown in you. And so your job, the church's job, the preacher's job, the deacon's job, the young people's job is to represent Jesus Christ, not as Savior, but is Savior of the world, and that he can save your wretched soul. And the church have not fulfilled that mission. No, it hasn't. Out of the seven churches of Asia Minor, seven churches of Asia Minor, out of all seven, only two, only two was doing what God recommended him to do. And that church was Smyrna, sweet-smelling, persecuted church. They were willing enough to die for Christ. They were willing enough to witness for Christ. They were willing enough to go in the lion arena and be eaten up by lions. They were willing to be put in boiling oil. They were willing enough to be hung and stretched. They were willing enough to be burned at stake for the cause of Christ. They were willing to die in their faith, in their faith, and trust in God. When they die in their faith, there's a crown of life waiting them waiting for them on the other side. Because let me tell you something, there is life on the other side of the grave. It's the life of Christ or it's the life of death. And majority of the world today is choosing the life of death. People are dying over sin. They're killing over sin. They're lying over sin. They're cursing over sin. They're killing all kinds of raunchy sins and they are denying the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. They are denying the biblical scriptures. They are denying the biblical prophecies that have been made that would happen in the last days. And everything that the Bible says, everything that the Bible says that would happen in the last days is going on right now. Everything, not one thing, is being missed. There shall be wars and wars and rumors of wars. And there's over 40 wars going on right now on this planet. 40 wars. There's war just about in every country. And men today are getting ready for war. They're getting ready for war over Jerusalem. They're getting ready for war with Gog and Magog. They're getting ready for war at the Battle of Armageddon. They're getting ready for war during the tribulation period. War will continue on until Jesus Christ comes back on this earth at the Battle of Armageddon to end all wars at this dispensation. The last war that will occur on this side of the millennium is the Battle of Armageddon. The battle of Armageddon is when the nations of the world and the armies of the world and every man just about will muster up the armies of the world and they will march up on Jerusalem to try to overtake the Jewish nation. 
But before the battle of Armageddon comes, the Bible says in the 38 and 39th chapter of Ezekiel, if you read it, read it. It's in there. It's called the battle of Gog and Magog, Meshach and Tubal. There's two chapters in there that gives you the full picture of what's going to happen in the next two years or next year. There's going to be a or this year, there's going to be a war between Israel and Russia. There's going to be a war before that war. There's going to be a war between the Palestinians and the Hamayas and Hezbollah. There's going to be a war right there pretty soon because the Palestinians are planning to make a six-nation six attack up on Jerusalem called the Ring of Fire. It's found in the 83rd Division of Psalm. Asap wrote a prophecy that's getting ready to happen. And the reason it's getting ready to happen because Iran is working on a nuclear bomb to make, to drop on Jerusalem to eliminate the Jewish nation. And God said it ain't going to happen. It just ain't going to happen. All the armies of the world can try to come against the Jewish nation, but they will never win because God said, these are my people. These are my apple of mine eye. These are my what? These are my fig tree. This is my fig nation. This is the nation that will bring the return of the second coming of Jesus Christ. But before I come back to this earth, I got to deal seven years with the Jewish nation. I've got to fulfill what I promised them with Abraham, Isaiah, Jeremiah. I got to promise them what I was going to do at the end time. And I promised them that I would deal with them for 490 years. I'm going to bring Israel back. I'm going to put them in the land and let them be the head of all nations. And the church is not going to replace Israel. Because if it wasn't for Israel, there would be no Christ. If it wasn't for Israel, there would be no Holy Bible. If it wasn't for Israel, there would be no nation upon this planet to represent God Almighty. And Israel has always represented God Almighty, although in their failures, God said, you are still going to represent me. And in the end time, Israel is going to represent that there's a God in heaven and that this God is going to redeem mankind. Yes, it is. It seems like Satan is winning because he's got the majority of the world following him. But that's all right. The Bible says there are going to be many that bust hell wide open because the Bible says broad is the way that leadeth in the destruction. And many and many and many go in there. For narrow is the way and straight is the gate that leadeth in the light. And very few will find it. There's going to be very few people that make it to heaven in God's eyesight. But in our God, in our eyesight, it's going to be a whole lot. But in God's eyesight, it's going to be very few. And then few out of a few. Because the Bible tells me only remedy going to come through Israel. Only remedy going to come through the church. Because God said, I'm not looking after the number. I'm looking out I'm looking at qualification. I'm not looking at quantity because many people, many people confess Christ, but they don't know him. And Jesus said, let the wheat and the tares grow together. Let the wheat and the tares grow together. Because everybody that says, Lord, Lord, don't mean they saved. 
Don't mean they sanctified. Don't mean they're a child of God. We got a whole lot of people imitating Christianity, but they're full of the devil. We got a whole lot of people that saying they love Jesus, but they really don't love Jesus. Because if you love Jesus, you're going to obey him. You're going to love him. You're going to do what he tell you to do. You're going to live righteous before him. I'm not living righteous before you. I'm living righteous before God. And when you live righteous before God, you don't have to worry about living righteous before people because Christ is in you. And whatever Christ tells you to do, if you love him, you're going to do it. So we got wars. The Bible says before Christ comes back, there's going to be earthquakes. There's an earthquake happening every day in different parts of the land, in various parts of the country. The earth is being shaken by God Almighty. Earthquakes wiping out cities and towns. Earthquakes in places that have never been. Earthquakes shaking, rattling, and rolling all over the world. Before Christ comes, Jesus said, there shall be earthquakes. Jesus Christ said, before I come back, there's going to be famines in the land. And famines are getting worse every day. People are starving in other lands. People are starving in the United States. People are starving in every continent. There's less food now than it was 40 years ago. The farmers is already almost about to quit farming. Why? Because men are living wicked. And God says, I cause it not to rain. And when I cause it not to rain, you can't grow. And if you can't grow, food won't grow. And if you don't have enough food, it won't be able to distribute it out. Somebody is going to get hungry. Somebody is starving right now. And Jesus said, before I come back, before I touch this planet with my feet again, there's going to be famines in the land. And he said, before I come back, listen to what I'm saying. Before I come back, John saw a white horse in his sixth chapter of Revelation, and on this white horse was a man. And this white horse is not going to come back riding across the sky on a white horse. It's a symbolic of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to come to Jerusalem. The Antichrist is alive today, right now. The Antichrist was born in 1968. The Antichrist is coming from Spain. The Antichrist is the king of Spain right now. The Antichrist is the man of sin, the son of perdition, the one that Satan is going to use by incarnating himself in him. This man is six foot six. This man's name is King Philippi. Nobody never heard of him, but he exists. He's not, he has not been revealed to the world. And the reason why, because it's not his time. His time is soon to come. Somebody in the world today is looking for a leader. Somebody is looking for a world power. Somebody is looking for a one world government. Somebody is looking for a one world what? Woo! One world money system. Somebody is looking for a one world church. Well, I can tell you right now, it's here. It's in the farming right now. It's going through the land right now. The Roman Catholic Church is saying we are headed for a one world church. A Horace church, a lion church, a church of iniquity, a demonic possessed people will hurl in the false church, unregenerated people, people who do not believe.
believe in the Bible, don't live by the Bible, don't live by faith. They live by works, and they believe because they do some good thing that they have a right to go to heaven. But you ain't going to have no right to go to heaven until you come to the cross of Christ. No cross, no crown. No cross, no heaven. No cross, no sanctification. No cross, no justification. No cross, no love. Without Jesus Christ, you are empty. And since you're empty, you're trying to fill yourself up with false doctors. You're trying to do good things. You're trying to look good, talk good. You're trying to get a good education so you can try to qualify yourself to go to heaven. But I don't care if you're rich, blind, poor, ugly, Chinese, Jew, whatever, whatever you are, one thing you got to qualify, and that is you got to qualify to repent from your sins and turn to Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ is our only way to escape the anger and the wrath of God Almighty, because God got an eternal love side. Oh, yeah, his love is eternal, and he's got a, a temporary wrath side. In other words, he done held back his wrath for a long time, a long time. He didn't. He couldn't hold it back in the days of the flood. He couldn't hold it back. He showed his wrath there. I'm going to destroy the world by water. And he said, Noah, you're the only one on the planet that I can trust in. I want you to build an ark. I want you to build it out of gopher wood. I won't give you 120 years to build it out of gopher wood. And while you're building it out of gopher wood, I want you to tell your family to get ready because I'm going to cause it to rain. And I'm going to let it rain for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm not going to tell you exactly what day is going to rain, but you're going to know how close it is when I tell you. You're going to know how close it is when you get through with the ark. You're going to know how close it is when I bring all the animals on, on the boat. You're going to know how close it is when I shut the door of the ark. You're going to know how close it is when I'm going to give you seven days for you to preach the word of God. Since you've been preaching it for 120 years, I'm going to let you preach it for the last seven days. You're going to know how close it is when I take my hand and close the ark. You're going to know how close it is when you see the clouds come and form in the sky. You're going to know how close it is when I'm going to break up the water from the deep. I'm going to call water to come up out of the earth, and I'm called water to come down out of the earth. You're going to know the day, 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 day when I started to rain. When you see the raindrops coming down out of heaven, you know that's the judgment, and it tells me it rained. Yes, it did. It rained. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And Noah and his family was on the boat. And you asked me a question. You asked me a question, how long did it rain? It rained for 40 days. It rained until the whole world was flooded. It rained until some people had to swim. And i tell you one thing where they were swimming to. They were swimming to the ark. They tried to get on the ark, but it was too late. They stood on top of mountains and called out to Noah. They said, Noah, help me. 
Can you let me on the boat? But Noah couldn't do nothing because God has sealed the boat. He has sealed it with a seal of redemption. And they tell me, I want to know the roll call. I want to know how many people got saved during the flood. Let me see now. Let me see. The Bible said there was Noah. And then there was his wife. And then the Bible said Noah had three sons. And the three sons' name was Ham, the black race. And then the next son was named Japheth, a Caucasian race. And then the next son was named Shem, Semitic nation. That's where the Jews came from. And these sons had wives. So you can count. Noah, his wife, Noah's three sons and the sons' wives, that's Eight people out of millions of people that have multiplied up on the face of the earth. And they were multiplying. They was having babies on top of babies. And they were living like 500, 600, 700 years. And you figure from the time that Noah preached until the time of the flood, that's 120 years. And so 120 years, can you imagine how many babies were born in that time? And don't you know that in that time there was a there was a mix-up. There was a abomination. There was cohabitation. This is what I'm saying to you. The devil was mad at God since the fall. And he was mad at what the devil plotted up. He plotted up to do what? He plotted up to send a special class of angels down on Mount Hermon. And he made a vow. He made a covenant with these demons, with these fallen angels, and told them, we've got to increase the multiplication. We've got to increase the population. And these angels did an abomination before God and before heaven. These angels had power enough to to cohabitate, cohabitate with the daughters of men. In other words, angelic beings had sex with the human race. And the sex was abomination towards God Almighty. And these relationship with the angelic and with the human race caused a cyborg men. It caused them to have babies. And these babies were half human and half angels. They were considered as Nephilim. And Nephilim babies grew tall. They grew like eight feet, nine feet, 15 feet. They were huge, and they was cohabitate with animals. They was cohabitate with women. They was cohabitating with men. They were rotten to the core, and they polluted the world. They polluted the human race, and God saw this, and God got angry at the, he got more angry at the devil, got more angry at these Nephilim because these Nephilim was corrupting the human race. And the human race got so corrupt 
that God could not save the human race but Noah. He couldn't save the human race, but he saved Noah because he did not come from the corruption seed of these fallen angels. His seed was pure in the eyesight of God, and God saved them to repopulate the earth after the flood. And after the flood, Noah and his descendants repopulate the earth, but the Nephilim and the demons and the fallen angels were still here, and they are doing the same thing again as they did in the days of Noah. That's why Jesus Christ came, and he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. And the man today, these demons and devils and witches and witchcraft and voodoo and Baphomet and Luciferians and Illuminati are cohabitating with anything. These men are taking young girls and using them for sex orgies and using them for sacrifices. They're doing the same thing as it was in the days of Noah. They're propagating homosexuality that it's all right. They believe that a man, woo, good God, I'm, I'm going to tell you what they're doing. They're taking their private sticking up in a man's behind, and they're having all sex with men, satisfying themselves. They're doing that today, and it's up in the church. It's up in the false church. It's up in the church that's mentioned in the Bible of the 17th chapter of Revelation where the woman is riding up on a scarlet beast, and the cup that she's going on is a golden cup. But inside the golden cup is filthy and abomination, and it's filthy and it's abomination, and the world is drinking it, drinking false religion, 6,000 different kinds of religion, and the world is drinking all of it because these religions have no priority about God have no priority about the cross, have no priority about repentance, have no priority about holiness and righteousness, and the world is hog-tied. They're going after it. And Jesus Christ, he said, they'll be marrying and giving into marriage. They're wife-swapping. They're wife-swapping. If you would look at your Internet and see all the, all the porno that's going on, all the sex that's going on, God said, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. And by his mercy, he let the world go on just a little while longer. And the reason why it's getting on a little while longer, because he said, I've got to deal with Israel. And I'm going to deal with Israel during the seven-year tribulation. The seven-year tribulation is on its way. It's almost here. We ain't got but a few more months. Uh-oh. We ain't got but a few more years. Uh-oh. We ain't maybe got about a few more weeks. A lot of people say, you crazy. You predicting. I ain't predicting nothing. I'm letting, I'm letting you see what's going on in the world today. You, 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 you be the judge of that. You cannot raise a family hardly anymore in this generation. And families can hardly be raised in this generation. Because the family is almost genocide. The people don't believe in marriage no They don't believe in holy matrimony. They believe unholy matrimony. I'll just live together. I'll just shock up with you. And if I get tired of you, I'll just walk out on you. 
ain't got no commitment to God, ain't got no commitment to the wife, ain't got no commitment to the children, ain't got no commitment to the house of God, ain't got no commitment at all to the cross. Because when Christ died, he died for that mess. And if he died for that mess, why are you still up in that mess? And that mess ain't nothing but the diabolical demon that the prince power they had that's raving to destroy the human race because Satan is angry at God with epitome. He is possessed with passion to get even with God, and he can't get even with God because God is not nobody to get even with. You can't outdo God and Satan with his crazy self. Oh, bells above, low down, dirty, rotten, Luciferians are controlling this world. Don't you know the Kabbalahs? There are rebellious Jews that have rejected Jesus Christ. They defied that he died on the cross. They defied that he is the son of God. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you seven years, and I'm going to prove to you who I am for the last 2,000 years you have denied me, but during the tribulation period, God said I'm doing this because I promised Israel, I promised Daniel, I promised Ezekiel, I promised Jeremiah, I promised all of the prophets that I will deal with you for the last seven years, and the seven years are almost up. The church age is almost over. Don't you know this church is closing down, shut tight? The church doors is closed. And people are going to church now, whoo, they're just going to church for a form of fashion. But they're not going to recognize that Jesus Christ didn't die. They're not recognized 2,000 years up. They're not recognizing that Jesus Christ is coming back. And if you go to church without redemption, you're going to be left here doing what? The rapture. The rapture is here. There ain't no use of you trying to say, well, we don't know what hour. We don't know what day. We don't know what minute. We don't know what second hour. Hey, I ain't even worried about that. I'm not trying to predict none. But I'm telling you, according to the Bible, the rapture, I ain't according to what I think. I'm according to the Bible, the rapture is almost here. The Antichrist is alive now. 56 years old. Been the king of Spain from 2014 until this present day. Six foot six. He belongs to. He belongs to. Every false occult organization. He is a Catholic. Catholic means universal. Catholic is a religion. Catholic is a false doctrine. Catholic is originally come from Rome. Rome is the originator of the Catholic religion. And Rome knew and touched and knew and seen who Jesus Christ was because it was the Roman government that crucified him. It was the Jews that said, okay, crucify him. We don't want him. We don't need him because he's not the Messiah. He came to die on the cross when we were looking for him to come up and set the millennium kingdom up, and he didn't do it. And since he didn't do it, he's not our Messiah. 
He comes to save and seek those of the law. We don't believe in seeking and saving of the soul. We believe in the law. And the law was good, but the law could not save you. And so Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law, and the fulfillment of the law is love. And God loved you so much that he was willing not just to give you the law, but give you his son, Jesus Christ. And the Jews said, we don't need him. No, he's too gentle. He's too kind. He's too merciful. He talks to the sinners and the publicans. He talks to the he talks to the horlops, and he hang around them group of people. But Jesus Christ said, I didn't come to save the righteous. I didn't come to save the pious folks. I didn't come to save the high almighty, the ones that think they so much in the house of God, think they better than the I didn't come to save them. I come to save the seek those that are lost and those that acknowledge that they're lost. And if you don't, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your loss is a, 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 a needle in a haystack. You're lost if you don't know Christ. So what if I go to a Baptist church? That ain't no big deal. So what if I go to a Catholic church? That ain't no big deal. So what if I'm a, 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 a Presbyterian? Uh, oh, so religion ain't no big deal. Religion is just a form of worshiping God, and you're not worshiping God. God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit, and in truth, no truth, no spirit, you just out there as a what? Walking zombie. Look out. There's a dead man walking. Look out. The, the world is walking in death. Death is all around everybody. That's why old David called out and said, the Lord is my shepherd. Then he broke it all down. Around about the third verse, he said, I will fear no evil as I walk. I didn't run. I ain't running. I walk through the valley. I'm in a valley now of the shadow of death. I'm not going to fear no evil. For the rod is with me, and that staff is with me. What's the difference between a rod and a staff? A rod is a stick on the other end of a staff. The staff has a hook on it. Good God Almighty. Don't you understand what I'm saying? And the rod is for correction. And the staff is for hooking. When God saves a saint, saves a sinner, and he goes off a trap, guess what? He used that rod and beat him with it. And when he falls in a pit, good God Almighty, when you fall backslide into a pit, God will take that staff and he'll hook you. The Holy Ghost will hook you, hook your soul and draw you out. That's why old David said, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I want. And now we're living in a time where death is all way around you. And it can be broad daylight, but death is still there. You can be in your bed, and death is still there. You can walk down the street, and death is still there. You can go to church, and death is still there. But I'm not fearing no evil, for I know the Lord is with me, and I know the Lord will guide you. And uh, what I'm trying to tell you, the rapture is the, the stab, because God is going to do some hooking after a while. The Bible tells me in the book of Thessalonians, 
Paul said, the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the bark of the archangels. Why? Because I'm walking in the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, I'm getting a little tired, but that's all right. I'm going on anyway because I know my day is coming, and when it comes, it's coming as a thief in the night. I don't know what hour, but the hour's close. The hour's near. The hour's right on us because the Bible says that Jesus said, when you see these things come to pass, look up. Look up, man. Redemption's draws nigh. People going to church and looking down. They're looking down in the church. How long is it going to take for me to get out of here? How long is the preacher going to preach? How long are we going to be at the altar? People are going into church slow, and they leave fast. The church is not some kind of pickup station. The church is a place, a building that's made out of wood and bricks and chandeliers and cushioned chairs. That's a church. That's a house of God. That's where you go to worship. It's simple for you to be outside in the wintertime in the middle of the street or out in the farm worshiping God with no covering. The house of God is a place for a covering to go in and worship for those that want to worship. If you don't want to go to church, ain't nobody going to push you. Even God don't going to push you. God ain't going to shove nothing down your throat. God ain't going to bulldoze you to go to church and go to the cross. He said, whosoever will, let him come. You don't have to go to heaven if you don't want to. If you want to go to hell, that's up to you. Jesus Christ said, I am the way. Come to me, and I'll give you life and give it to you more abundantly. But you're talking about, well, I don't need that stuff right now. Man, I seen this woman the other day, man. She's a fox, man. I, I got to do something with that, man. I'm... I'm I, 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 I might give the Lord my heart tomorrow, but right now I'm going to give my body something else. Man, I, I, I got to pay this number, man. I, 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 man, I got to see if I can win me some money, man. You got all that stuff up in you, and you ain't got your mind on pleasing God and winning souls. You ain't got your mind on praying and fasting. You ain't got your mind on giving to the glory of God. You ain't got your mind on nobody but yourself. And self put you in hell. The Bible says God, God resists the proud. God resists the proud. If you're proud, God resisting you. If you don't humble yourself, God's going to resist you. But if you humble yourself, God will fix it for you. Their pride is killing people. A proud preacher, a proud deacon, a proud sister, a proud teenager. Pride is dangerous. And the Bible said in the last day, perilous times shall come. Listen to what perilous times is. People don't even know what perilous times is. In this book of Second Timothy, let's see what pride is and what would happen in that last day just because. Will Christ come back to this earth in a moment of a twinkling of an eye? And listen, in the book of Second Timothy, third chapter, third chapter of Second Timothy, let's see what it says in the book of Timothy. Timothy says this. Amen, 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 again, 
and again and again. Listen to this. In the third chapter of Second Timothy, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous time shall come. This is the condition of men in the last days, and it's been condition of men for the last 2,000 years. It was in the condition of men in the days of Noah, in the days of Israel, in the days of the kingdom, in the days of all the kingdom. Perilous time was always in the kingdom of Egypt, in the kingdom of Assyria, in the kingdom of Babylon, in the kingdom of the Media Persian Empire, in the kingdom of the Grecian Empire, in the kingdom of what? In the kingdom of the Greek Empire, in the kingdom of the Roman Empire, in the kingdom that Christ was here on earth. It was perilous. It was difficult time. But now it's worldwide. It was worldwide in their day, but there's more of it in the day like never before. And Apostle Paul said 2,000 years ago, in the last days, perilous time shall come, for men shall be lovers of their selves, loving their self, love Love to show off, love to be admired, love that money, love themselves and getting pleasurable with their own self. They should become covetousness, boasters, proud, blasphemers, blasphemers in the church, blasphemers on the street corner, blasphemers everywhere. A blaspheming God in Hollywood, they're blaspheming God across the nation. They're they're they are mad at God. They are cussing God. They deny God. They think God is a little boy with a paper bag in his hand running around. They think God is blind and crippled and losing his mind. They think all things are an abomination because Satan can't stand his son, Jesus Christ. They don't, they don't lie on Jesus Christ, embarrass Jesus Christ. And when people talk about they're saved, they embarrass Christ and they ain't saved. They cuss, they lie, they cheat, they whoremongers, they fornicate, they go all over, and they come up in the Lord, taking the Lord's Supper, talking about I'm living a holy life, and this I'm taking the bread and the, and the fruit of the vine to show his death till he comes, and you ain't even looking for his coming. You ain't living like he's coming. You living like he's a 20 or 30 years off, but he ain't 30 years off no more. He ain't even five. The, the, the rapture ain't even put a month away. I don't know. Might not be a year away. The Lord himself is going to translate the true church, the born-again church, the sanctified church, because he said, well, I'm going to present to myself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And there's some wrinkles in the church now. How in the world God is going to do what? How is he going to take all the wrinkles out? Well, here's how he's going to do it. A lot of wrinkles is in the flesh, nothing but the flesh. And there's spots in the flesh. And these spots can only be seen by God. These spots should not be seen by your fellow man. In other words, you should be living holy. In other words, you don't let flesh control you. You control the flesh. Woo! You got the power of the Holy Ghost in you to resist the temptation to the flesh again. And so you living before God. You ain't living before man. But the only time that we 
And we know that God's going to be able to take all the wrinkles out of that will be completely is when, listen to me now, when this body, when this earthly tabernacle will be dissolved, when this body be transformed from a physical body to a spiritual body like Christ, then we become perfect. We become sinless. We will never sin no more after the transformation of the body of Christ. The church will be perfect. We will have perfect love. We will have perfect hope. We will have perfect joy. We will have perfect eternal life. We got eternal life now. But the sons of God will be manifested when the rapture comes. If you want to know, I don't you wait that long. Don't you want to wait? You don't want to wait to see if you saved or not when the rapture comes, because if you're not saved, you're going to be left here. I ain't waiting. If I had another soul, I'll tell that soul, get saved. I ain't waiting to see if I'm going to make it. I'm making it now because I know Christ will save my soul, and when my body is going to be transformed and translated, I'm going to have a perfect body. I'm going to have perfect eyesight. I ain't going to have no more arthritis. I ain't going to get weak no more. I ain't going to be able to sleep. Oh, my God. I'm going to be and have a body just like Jesus. Man, old days. That's awesome. But as long as I'm in this body of flesh, I'm fighting against flesh and blood. I'm fighting against the temptations of the world. I'm fighting against every damnable, low-down sin that man can ever think. I, my thinking sometimes get off, but I'm thinking, Lord, forgive me. Woo! Why? Because I'm fighting a battle. And Paul said in the last days, it's going to be difficult. It's so difficult now, people are scared to go to bed at night with locked doors. People are buying guns and ammunition and buying food and buying uh, bunkers and buying everything. They know something is coming. The devil knows something is coming. The demons in hell know something is coming. The Nephilim know something coming. They know that judgment is on its way. And by being on its way, we can see it through the activity of the human race. Listen to what it says, proud. Disobedient to parents, hard-headed children, children who's not been raised in a Christian family, children who have been raised in a Christian family, children who don't attend church, children who the parents are separated, children who are by men who don't get married and married to somebody else, children that's been born out of wedlock, not getting the Christian but basic of the word of God and being taught the principles of why you're here and where you're going after you did. They're not being preached to about the cross of Christ and what the loving God did for us 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ died for you, boy. I don't care if you're 80 years old. I don't care if you're 30 years old. I don't care if you're 10 years old. Jesus Christ died for you. And why are you so hard-headed? You better get your heart right and turn to Jesus Christ. My mama took me by the hand, carried me to church, carried me to church. After she got through carrying me, I walked to church. And when I walked to church, she took me by the hand, 
We used to cross the railroad track, go up into the church in the hill, and she taught me about Christ. She prayed for me. Amen. She whipped me. She corrected me. She brought me up in the Lord. She, she prayed for me and said, Lord, I'm giving this boy back to you, and you deal with it. She raised me till I was, what, 18 or 19 years old. And when I was 18 or 19 years old, I left home. But I didn't leave home mad. I didn't leave home and run away. I left home praising God. I left home with knowing that my mom and daddy was praying for me. I knew that they knew God. I knew that they were praying for me. I knew that my dad was a true man of God. He preached the gospel. My mama was a missionary. Ooh, and serve the Lord, and I wanted to be like that. I want, I seen the characteristic of Jesus Christ in my mom and dad, and when I grow up, I want to be like that. At one time, you know, you get in your teenage years, you get kind of wild. I had a, I had a wild streak in me. It didn't last long. It lasted me about four or five years. I had a wild streak, but my, I, 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 the wild streak wasn't my, wasn't my. I said, Lord, you got to deliver me. I said, Lord, you got to do something with me. He called me into the ministry, and he called me when he called me, called me when I was 21 years old, and I've been preaching ever since then, and I ain't turning around. I've been preaching the gospel, the whole Bible, that some preachers don't even accept me as me being a preacher, because I'm going to preach Genesis. I'm going to preach Revelation. I'm going to preach Isaiah. I'm going to preach Jeremiah. I'm going to preach Apostle Paul. I'm going to preach Corinthians. I'm going to preach who? I'm going to preach Jude. I'm going to preach those words in the Bible that's inspired by the word of God. And now I'm coming from what? I'm coming from Timothy. And Timothy says in the last days, without natural affection. Ain't got no affection. Truth breakers, liars, false accusers. I'm just going to read them out. I don't have to. I don't have to really explain them to you because it's already self-explanatory. And contentment, fierce, fierce, mean, cruel, despisers of those that are good. You a child of God? You ain't no good, honey. You are. You ain't man. You going to trade all this good living, all this year fancy living, for what? You going to trade that to be saved, and then you have to serve the Lord, and then you die, and then you go to heaven. But you ain't going to heaven because you do good works. You're going to heaven because you accepted Jesus Christ. You mean you you rather give up the world and serve the Lord? Yes, indeed, I'll do it. I'll do it again if I have to. The world didn't give me this salvation, and the world can't take it away. And Apostle Paul said, what? Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure. Ooh-wee, boy, the lovers of God. People love pleasure today. Oh, they love that sex mode. They love that homosexual. They love that lesbianism. They love the oral sex. They love that punking each other. Yeah, dirty, unclean unrighteousness. They love to have sex with animals anymore. They love to take, have a baby and give it a birth control pill and stop the baby. They love to have abortions and cut the baby out of the womb. Pleasure. Pleasure to throw it in a trash can and wipe their hand and lick their lips like they ain't done nothing. But God said, I'm going to have those babies 
to stand up in judgment and testify against all those women and those men that slaughtered these babies because of their selfishness and heady and high-minded. Love is a pleasure more than lovers of God. Love to gamble. Love to stay out all night. Love to go to the beer joint. Love to go to the whorehouse. Love to have those women strip their clothes down and give me a, 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 a fancy dance. Oh, I love it so much. Ooh, I ain't thinking about no heaven. I ain't thinking about no Christ. I ain't thinking about no blood of Christ. I'm going to hell, and I'm going to enjoy this right now. But when you get to hell, and you will go if you reject Christ, you're going to be sorry. You're going to be crying out for eternity in the lake of fire of Gehenna. And Jesus Christ said, I'm going to mention hell more than I mentioned hell. And hell is more mentioned in the Bible by, G, uh, by Jesus Christ than any other prophet. Mention more about hell than any other man in the Bible. He warns them. Whoa. He tells them to flee from the wrath of God. Flee from the torment, flee from the lies, flee from the agony and pain. Because in hell, there's five things that will be your company. You will see in hell. Yes, you will. You will hear in hell. Yes, you will. But you won't hear nothing inspiring. What, you, what will you hear in hell? You'll hear gnashing and gashing and gnashing the teeth. If you if you hear anything about coughing, you won't understand it, but there's going to be screaming and gritting your teeth for the agony that you will be paying for your own sins. And Jesus took all that pain and nailed it to the cross bled and died, went into the bowels of hell, preached to those in prison, stayed there for three days and three nights, and got up out of the grave on his own power on the third day. And then he said, all powers, all powers in heaven and earth is in my hand. Well, what you talking about, preacher? You see, before Christ died, he had power, but there's one power he did not have until after the resurrection. Before he died, he had no power to save the human soul. He had no power. He had the power, but he had to die in order to attain that power. And that power was through his blood. He gave his life up for sin and nailed to the cross and took your agony from going to hell. And here you are talking about, I'm going to heaven on my works. I'm going to heaven because my daddy was a preacher. I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. There ain't no good person on the planet. Jesus Christ said, don't call me good. There's only one good, God. 
you die, and you go to hell, you're going to have to be there until the lake of fire will be placed in your in the front of you. And the world is saying now, oh, hell no. Hell yes. How the hell are you? Where in the hell are you going? You're a hell of a man. They're using hell more than they use heaven. And I want to know what in hell is it that you want. If you know you're going there, what do you want? Well, you said, really, I don't want nothing. I just want to enjoy this life now without any interruption about salvation. I don't want that right now. I want that when I get through of doing all I want to do, and then I'll, I, 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 I'll go to heaven. No. It don't work that way. You can live without Jesus Christ in this life, a long life, and still die and go to hell because you have never, for the 80 years you've been living, for the 40 years you've been living, for the 20 years you've been living, you're partying, you're jumping around, you're, you're clowning, you think life is a joke, you think God's word is, is false, you think God's word is no power in it, and yet still you know there's just a great fear. People fear the Bible. A sinner fears the Bible. That's why they don't read it. But in order to get over that fear, you're going to have to admit that you're a sinner and that you're on your way to hell, and you don't want to go to hell, and you come to Jesus, and Jesus says, uh-huh, you ain't, you ain't accepting me because of hell. You're accepting me because you're tired of sin. You're tired of disobeying God. You begin to fear my name. You know that God's word is true. And you know truly, if you don't get saved, truly you're going to hell. And that puts a terror on some church folks. Because God is not trying to scare you out of hell. He's just telling you the fact. And the fact is, you really don't want to go. But sin got a grip to you. Satan got a grip to you. And if you accept Jesus Christ, he's going to get mad as hell to keep you from coming to Christ. Because if he, if you come to Christ, Satan loses a soul. He don't want nobody to enjoy Christ. He don't want nobody to go to heaven because he cannot get back in there. He cannot get back in there. He cannot get back in there. He cannot even anymore come in the presence of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ died, and there's no confrontation on what to be done. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. You shall be lost forever. You shall be in agony forever. Last days. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having the form of godliness, but denying the power there uh, from such turn away. Having a power, having a form is different. Having a form, you can have the form of Christianity, 
You can have a form of a prayer life. You can have a form of singing. You can have a form of giving your tithe and all. You can have all that form. But really, you ain't got no power. You ain't got no power to turn away from sin. You ain't got no power to shut your mouth. You ain't got no power to mind your own business. You ain't got no power to do nothing right until you come in the divine relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ will keep your mouth shut when you become a born-again believer if you listen to him because if you don't listen to him, you're going to get a tail whipping because a lot of church folks are getting a tail whipping by opening their mouth and don't know what they're talking about. Preachers are not telling the truth. They're getting a whooping. It don't look like they're getting a whooping, but they're getting a whooping. God is whooping a lot of preachers today. He's whooping them. Why is this going on? Last days. What does the last day prophecy say? What would happen in the last day? Last day said the Euphrates will dry, will dry up. Uh, by the Euphrates River now, they say it's dried up. It's drying up. Why? For the kings of the East. Who's the kings of the East? China. What's China getting ready to do? China getting ready to what? Cross the Euphrates? The armies of the world on the other side of Euphrates are getting ready to cross over. But in order to cross over, the river got to be dry. They'll cross over, getting ready for the Battle of Armageddon. I would say the, the Battle of Armageddon is about seven years away. Seven years away, because there's a seven-year tribulation. And this seven-year tribulation will end around about 2030. 2030 puts you at a 6,000-year time that Satan has had to rule the world, because he's the God of this age now. He's the God of this age. So he rules humanity now. God is taking souls out of the clutches of Satan by his blood through Jesus Christ. So Christ is saving souls and bringing people out of the kingdom of darkness. Satan said, look here, I got most of them. The Lord said, yes, you got them. And the only reason you got most of them because people won't repent. People don't want to repent. People don't think they have to repent. That's why you got them, Satan. But if they turn to me and believe on me and trust in me, I can save them. I can save them. God said I can save anybody, anywhere, anytime, if they want to be saved. I didn't say safe. I said save. Safe is S-A-F-E. Save is S-A-V-E. B. Past tense. Save what? Once and for all. You belong to Christ now. And since you belong to Christ, Christ says, now I've got you. Hey, Satan, you can't get them back. You can't deceive them no more. You can't lie to them no more. Why? Because they're in my clutches. And nothing can be plucked. Nothing can be plucked from God's hand. And if you what? If you are not saved, you are not in God's hand. Oh, y'all don't listen to me. If you are if you are not saved, you're not in God's hand. Who hands you in? You're in Satan's hand. Satan got you. Satan got, Satan got you going on. Satan said, this is what's going on, man. Satan said, I got it for you, man. Look what you do. 
I can give you money, jewelry. I can give you cars. I can give man. I can give you do whatever you want to do. You ain't got no limit. Just do it. And God said, "Come to me." And the sinner man said, "I ain't got time for you. I'm not going to repent of what I'm doing, cause what I'm doing, I like it. I love it. I give my life to live like this. I ain't gonna give up this." For, for Holy Ghost, I'm not giving up this for the love of God. I'm not giving up this for nothing. In fact, you in a partiality are selling your soul to the devil. And the devil believes in soul selling. If you don't believe me, go on the mount of temptation and look at what Satan told Jesus Christ, the creator of the world, the maker of everything. Satan looked at Jesus and said, now, I don't, you don't got me at the first two temptations. You wouldn't turn the stone to bread and you wouldn't jump off the pinnacle so to make you a mystical a mystical messiah. I, I, I couldn't tempt you. But I'll tell you what I'll do, Jesus. I got a deal to make with you. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and what goes with the kingdoms of the world. Everything that the kingdom has, I'll give you all seven of them. There has been seven kingdoms on this planet, seven. And every one of them is out of existence except one, and that's the Roman Empire. It's going to be revived. But the Egyptian Empire is gone. The Assyrian Empire is gone. The Median Persian Empire is gone. The Grecian Empire is gone. And the first Roman Empire is gone, but the first Roman Empire is making a re. Bible, it's going to be revived and go into the one world government where all the world will join the world church, the one world government, and the one world economical system, which will be run by the Antichrist. And Satan said, if you will fall down, he got a lot of gall. He got a lot of nerve. If you will fall down and worship me and pay homage to me and give me your attention and let me control you and let me look down on you, I'll give you all the kingdom of the world. The fool, the devil's a fool. The biggest fool, he became the biggest fool. God, they created him. He created him Lucifer. But he became a fool in believing that he could overthrow the creator, the one that created him. And now he's telling him, look, I'm going to make a deal with you you can't resist. And since Satan couldn't get Jesus, he said, all right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get humanity. And I know I can get humanity because they ain't nothing but a bunch of pukes. They'll believe anything 
that I tell them. They'll believe, if I tell them that you didn't die, Christ, and you didn't get up from the grave, and that you can't save nobody, they'll believe it. If I can get them to worship anything else other than you, I'm going to make mince meat out of them. And the devil is doing it today, making mince meat out of people, big people, black people, white people, ugly people, pretty people, rich people, poor people, people who have lost their mind. He has got them by the tail. And Jesus comes back and said, Thou shalt worship the Lord God. Thou shalt worship the Lord God and him only. Don't worship nothing else but me. Not me, George, but Christ. You shouldn't be bowed down to nobody but Jesus Christ. You don't bow down to your car. You don't bow down to your children. You don't bow down to nobody but Jesus Christ. And the devil got people bowing down to rocks and stones and mountains and gold and silver and cars and sex and bow down to adultery, bow down to fornication, bow down, just bow down and cry for it. People go crazy over riches. People lose their mind over riches. People got more problems with health problems with riches because they are worshiping money. Most movie stars that start off, a lot of them end up dead. A lot of them end up going losing their mind. A lot of them end up in the poor house. A lot of them do a lot of tax evasion and ruin their lives and don't invest the money and forget about God. They win the wars. But at the end of their life, let me tell you something. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit can let me feel how a person feels. At one time, they're rich, and they ain't got nothing. Most of the movie stars end up broke, mental problems, physical problems, and basically, worst of all, spiritual problems. Because they're worshiping everything else but Jesus Christ and give him the praise. They're worshiping Buddha. They're worshiping Scientology. They're worshiping Mormonism. They're worshiping Jehovah Witness. They're worshiping denominations. They think because you take yourself to the church and bow down for half an hour and go out to church on Sunday, you think you're going to go to heaven. You better go and check again. You better check Mount Calvary. You better put that shed blood. You better look at what see what Christ done for you. Because you can't do it for yourself and nobody else can do it. So what's going on? As I get ready to close, what's going on? So going on is the last seven feast days of the Jewish feast days of the Lord. The seven feast days is found in the 23rd chapter of Leviticus. Leviticus is found the timepiece of God Almighty because the Jews is God's timepiece. What I mean, 
God is using the Jewish nation to recognize that he has a time with the feast days. And the seven feast days is found in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. Here are the seven feast days that has been fulfilled and the last three that has not been fulfilled. The first four feast days have been fulfilled in the book of Leviticus, 23 and 5. The Passover feast has been fulfilled. The unleavened bread feast, Leviticus 23 and 6, has been fulfilled. The first fruits, Leviticus 23 and 10 and 11. The week of Pentecost, Leviticus 23, 15, and 17. These four feasts have been fulfilled because in the Old Testament, it was a type and shadow. And the only way these four feasts could be fulfilled in the Old Testament, the only man that could fulfill these is Jesus Christ. The Passover in Egypt, the unleavened bread in Egypt, the first fruit in Egypt, and the Pentecost in Mount Sinai was fulfilled. The Passover is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The unleavened bread was the death of Jesus Christ. The first fruit is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The week of Pentecost is the birth of the church. The Pentecost has been fulfilled on time. The Jews do this every year, ever since they came up out of the land of Egypt. They did these four. The next three that has not yet been fulfilled, and if God fulfilled the first four, guarantee you, 110%, he's going to fulfill the last three. And the last three has to do with the church age. And the church age is almost over. And they have been doing this for 2,600 years until they were taken into the Babylonian captivity. And they stayed in Babylon for 70 years. And when they came out of Babylon, they didn't have these feasts. When the church was born, the first four was fulfilled. Pentecost was the last one that was fulfilled. And it's been going on for the last 2,000 years. And the next three that's been fulfilled but not manifested is the Feast of Trumpets, Leviticus 23, 24. The Day of Atonement, Leviticus 23 and 27. The Feast of Tabernacle, 23, 39, and 43. The Jews, down through the years, have went through these rituals and feast days for almost 3,000 years. They have kept it. If they couldn't perform it, they kept it in their mind and in their hearts to recognize these are the months 
that these things were supposed to fulfill. The Passover was filled in the spring, unleavened bread, spring, first fruit, spring, Pentecost, in the spring months. That's March and April. March and April is fulfilled in those months. The last three will be fulfilled in the fall, F-A-L-L, fall. Fall means the close of a cycle of what? The end of the year. Which one is those? Feast of Trumpets, 23-24, has not been fulfilled. Feast of the Day of Atonement has not been fulfilled. Literally, it's going to be fulfilled. Feast of Tabernacle has not been fulfilled. Now, what do these represent? The Feast of Trumpets represent judgment, rapture. Represent day of awe, day of repentance, day of awareness that judgment is coming. Feast of Trumpet, Rosh Hashanah, represent rapture. Now, there has been over 2,000 seasons of this type of shadow called the rapture. It's been talked about. 2,000 years, year after year, every September, the Jews was aware of the Feast of Trumpets. And they will blow the trumpet on New Moon. New Moon represents a day of all which they will use to so far. They will blow it. They will blow it in three distinct languages, tones. And every time they blow it, it represents a day of awe, a day of repentance, a day of turning to God, a day of what? A day of being caught up to meet the Lord in the air. A day in which the Jews is more aware of it than the Gentiles. The Gentiles are not too familiar with this, but God sent the Jew to represent him, and these fifth days represent these feast trumpets to represent what's event is going to take place. Now, for 2,000 years, they've been blowing the trumpets, and there has been no rapture. I wonder why. It's not the time. It wasn't the time. But they were blowing it because the Jews is accurate and on time what God requires of them. And when they couldn't do it, they still was aware of it. But now they're able to do it. And they start doing it in 1948. They start being aware that they're going to bring back the last three feast days being a nation. And they wasn't scattered because God brought them back in 1948. They became a nation. So since 1948 to 2023, this September, they have been blowing the trumpet for that 75 years. This will be the 75th year they've been blowing the trumpet. And everything is in order for the trumpets to be blown. How is that, preacher? Well, the Antichrist is here. The Jews are getting ready to build a temple. The Jews are getting their epod ready. The Jews are getting all the priesthood together. 
the Jews are getting ready to get the Ark of the Covenant. They already got five red heifers that they're going to use to sanctify the temple and rebuild the temple. Russia is getting ready to make an attack upon Israel. The reigns of fire, the Palestinians are getting ready to make an attack upon Israel. And these things, events are going to happen pretty soon. And in happening pretty soon, it's going to get so bad that the Lord is going to say, it's time. Am I setting a date? No. I'm setting a time and season. And the time of season that the rapture is going to, here it is, the time and season that the rapture is going to happen is in the fall. Guaranteed in the fall. Fall represents harvest time. The church is in the fall of harvest. And the rapture of the church is the first harvest. When the trumpet blow, the church will be excommunicated, if not this September, the next September, because God is not going to go back into January and the rapture is going to occur. It's out of tone. God is not on time. God is on time, and the time is fall. After the rapture of the church, the day of atonement, what does that represent? The Day of Atonement represents the second coming of Jesus Christ back to the earth with the church. The Day of Atonement, what's the Day of Atonement? The Day of Atonement is for the Jews because the Jews are going to be atoned by Jesus Christ when they recognize him on the top of Mount of Olives when he comes back and put his feet on the mount. That's the Day of Atonement for the Jews. Because this is when the Jews are going to recognize that they have rejected Jesus Christ for 2,000 years, and Jesus Christ is going to reveal himself on the top of the Mount of Olives. And in the book of Zechariah, the 12th, 13th, and the 14th chapter, you will read the whole story. And Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is going to stand on the top of the Mount of Olives and put up his hand from a distance of Israel. And Israel are going to ask the Messiah a question. They're going to ask him, where did you get your wounds from? What wounds? The wounds that he died on Calvary's cross. The wounds in his hand. The wounds in his feet. The wounds in his brow. The wound on his side. They're going to ask the Lord God Almighty, his son, where did you get them from? Where did you attain them wounds? And from who did you get them from? And he's going to say, from the household of my friends. Who are the Jews? The Jews are the friend of God. The Jews are the friend of God because Abraham was a friend of God. And guess what? When the Jews see this, they're going to burst out with a wailing noise. They're going to cry. They're going to repent. They're going to say, oh, my God, my God, my God, my God, you are the true Messiah, and it took you 
2,000 years for us to be revealed because we were so stubborn and hard-headed and self-willed and high almighty. Thank you, Jesus. A remnant will be saved. A remnant will be saved during the tribulation period. 